This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. The book of Revelation, chapter 3. We're looking today at verses 7 through 13. The letter of Jesus to the church in Philadelphia. The church in Philadelphia. Many of you know Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Well, actually, Philadelphia was known for brotherly love, but it was a ruler who had love for his brother that was so distinct that they named it Philadelphia. Let's pray. Father, speak to us as we read your word. Help us to understand as your Holy Spirit makes it clear to us. In Jesus' name, amen. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Our series, uh, Dear Church, are the seven letters of Jesus to the seven churches in Asia Minor, recorded in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And it's not written to those churches alone, but to the churches today, to us believers today. Today's message I've entitled, Jesus Opens a Door of Hope for You. And it's here from, from Revelation chapter 3, 7 to 13. How does Jesus open a door of hope for you? Well, when you look to him as the one who opens and closes doors, you see that he is the source and supplier of everything you need. When you look at the open doors that the Lord has already provided for you, you realize how blessed you are 
and how many opportunities you have to serve him and be a witness for him. When you look forward to future open doors, you realize that God is taking care of you and he's going to work everything out for good in your life. And when you look with hope to one day being in Jesus' presence, he's going to have some open door rewards for you. That is, he's going to reward you for faithfully walking through the open doors that he's provided along the way for you to walk through. Let's look at this from the scriptures. First of all, we are to look to the one who opens and closes doors. Revelation 3, 7. Our Lord always introduces who he is to the place that the letter is addressed. And here he says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, the one who holds the keys, the key of David. And what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Who can open and close doors of opportunity, of blessing, of uh, your future? God can. Jesus can. And how is that? Well, because, number one, he is holy. Number two, he's true. And number three, he holds the key. To be holy means that Jesus is perfect in all of his qualities. He never makes a mistake. He knows the end from the beginning. He's all wise. He is to be worshipped. He is to be honored. He is to be followed. And so we acknowledge that Jesus is holy. He is pure. He is sinless. He is 100% righteous. And we worship him as such. Not only is he holy, but he is true. That is that he is faithful. He is uh, genuine. He's the real deal. He is the authentic one. And he, being true, leads us in all that is true, all that is real, all that is right. So this is the one we're to look to. We're to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, because he is holy and he is true. And thirdly, because he holds the key. The Lord holds the key to open the doors that we really are wanting to see opened in our lives. So who else are we to look to? Are we to look to the world? Are we to look for substitutes? No, we're to look to the Lord because he's holy, he's true, and he holds the key of David. What does that mean? To hold the key in the Bible means that you have absolute authority. That means that you are in charge. So the Lord is in charge. He has the key of David. He decides who gets access into the kingdom and who does not get access into the kingdom. So when Jesus opens a locked door, he permanently secures it in an open position. And you're going to hear about that in a moment. He's going to say, I have opened a door that no man can shut. So first of all, as we really listen to this letter, can we stop right now and just say, Lord, our, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Can we admit when we go through life 
we need to look to the Lord? Can we acknowledge that instead of trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts and leaning on our own understanding, we've had times where we've leant on our, leaned on our own understanding and we've looked at other sources instead of trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts. Can we acknowledge that we've looked elsewhere when we should have been looking to the Lord? Can we realize that He is everything we need and every, everything that we ever would want is in the Lord? He's the source and He's the supplier. He is the one who opens and closes doors. Secondly, Jesus opens a door of hope for you when you look at the open doors that you have right now. You have open doors right under your nose. That is, divine opportunities God has opened up for you to serve Him, to witness for Him, to experience His love and peace and joy in a deeper way. God has opened doors for you that are right in front of your nose. And here's how Jesus puts it. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So the Lord is saying this. He says, I know what you are capable of doing. I know what you've accomplished in the past, your deeds. And I know what strength level you're at. And I know right now, you're feeling kind of weak. You're feeling kind of tired. You don't have the energy you used to have. I know that. And I want to commend you for your obedience to my word. And I want to commend you for your loyalty in not denying me. And I have placed a door of opportunity right in front of you, right now, that no man can shut. What is that door of opportunity for you? Think about your life. What door of opportunity has the Lord placed right in front of you that no man can shut, and he wants you to walk through that open door. Is it to say to your neighbor, I love you, I care about you, do you know the Lord? Is it to witness? Is it to help someone who's poor, who is in need of assistance? Is it to um, serve the Lord in the church and step up and do something to serve the Lord through the ministry of the church? I don't know what open door God's given you, but I know he's given you one. He's given you one, if not one, even more than one, and he's saying, take advantage of these open doors. Don't sit on your haunches. Don't sit in the uh, pew with your seatbelt on. Get up and get into the game. Be kingdom-oriented Walk through the open doors of opportunity I've given you. When Paul spoke about open doors, it was always an open door for ministry. Pray that I might have an open door, he said, to preach the gospel boldly as I ought to preach. And when he would follow the Lord in the book of Acts, as it's recorded, sometimes the Holy Spirit said, don't go there. But he would say, come here. He'd give him an open door. He'd give him direction. Where God seems to close a door, 
He opens a window somewhere else. What door or window is he opening up for you? Stop and look, because God has divine assignments for each of us that he prepared in advance for us to do, and we are his workmanship that he's created and is creating into a masterpiece. Praise be to God. Third, we're to look forward to future open doors. Now, there's two future open doors that God's going to provide for you and for me that are absolutely priceless. In Revelation 3, 9, and 10, we read, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So the promise to the church in Philadelphia and the church and the promise to us today is this. Jesus will deal with our enemies. They will one day admit that Jesus loves us very much. Now you need to know that the church at Philadelphia was being persecuted. And it was being persecuted by the so-called Jews, Jewish people, who claimed to be Jewish and may have been ethnically and racially Jewish, but in terms of faith, were denying their Jewish roots, their faith in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they rejected Jesus as Messiah. And isn't it true that religious zealots can be the worst kind. In the name of God, they're trying to destroy the very work of God, believers in Jesus, the Messiah. And so God is aware of that. Jesus is saying, I'm going to have them one day come and bow before you and apologize and acknowledge that I love you. Now, for those who are being persecuted, would you think that would be a word of encouragement and comfort? Of course it would be, because they knew they were on the winning side, that God would prevail on behalf of them. Now, when's this going to happen? We read in Philippians chapter 2 that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day there's going to be an incredible victory party and uh, everyone, whether they are willing to bow the knee or not willing to bow the knee, will bow the knee on earth and under the earth uh, and confess with their tongue, Jesus Christ is Lord. So Jesus will be vindicated and those with Jesus will be vindicated. You can look forward to that open door of vindication. Next, you could look forward to this. Revelation 3, 9, and 10 says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole earth to test the inhabitants of the earth. In other words, Jesus will rapture the church from the great tribulation. What is the test that is coming on the whole earth to, in, to test the inhabitants of the earth, it's the Great Tribulation. A seven-year period where the wrath of God is going to be poured out on earth 
on those who have rejected Christ. Where is the church going to be? The church will be kept from that, will be snatched out by the rapture before the tribulation begins, and we will be in heaven. Now, where does it say that? In the book of Revelation, chapter 5, where is the church before the uh, bowls of, and the, seal, the seals of bowls and the trumpets are opened? We're already in heaven. Revelation chapter 5. So, whether you have a pre-trib view, a mid-trib view, a pre-wrath rapture view, or a post-trib view, um, the scriptures say the Lord is going to deliver us. He's going to protect us from that hour of trial. And that is what I believe, that Jesus will rapture the church from the great tribulation. We can look forward to that. The Bible says looking forward to the return of Christ is our blessed hope. It's what really gives us a spring in our step and a twinkle in our eye is to think about the fact that Christ is coming back and we look forward to his return. We look forward then also with hope to open door rewards. When we are with the Lord, he has some rewards for you and for me. Verse 11 says, I am coming soon. This is Jesus saying, I am coming back, I'm coming soon. And this is not coming like he mentions in the previous letters, where he's going to come and discipline his church personally if they don't straighten out. This is, I'm coming back in terms of the rapture. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. I am coming soon. And so he says, in the meantime, hold on to what you have so that you, no one will take your crown. And the one who's victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name, Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's listen to what Jesus just said. He said you can look forward to these open-door rewards. Number one, he's going to make you a pillar in the temple of God. That is, he will give you the security you've always wanted. You may be rejected by the world. You may be abandoned by friends and family, but you will be as secure and as steady and as um, important in the temple of God as a pillar in the temple. He will give you the security you always wanted. He will inscribe upon you God's name. What does that mean? He will reassure you in the strongest possible way that you are his. In the movie Toy Story, Woody forgets who he is but then looks at the bottom of his shoe, and on the bottom of his shoe is the name of his owner, Andy. And that's what turns him around. He remembers who he is because he remembers who he belongs to. And God's name is going to be written on you because you belong to God. Also, the name of the new city, Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem will be written on you. And this represents that the Lord Jesus will comfort you and me with the assurance that we belong as citizens of his kingdom. Jerusalem 
is the capital of the universe. And the new Jerusalem will be the one that comes down from heaven. And if you think Jerusalem is beautiful now in Israel, the new Jerusalem will be even more beautiful. It will be the capital of the universe, and we are citizens of the new Jerusalem under the rulership of Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace will reign on the earth, and there'll be peace, and there'll be righteousness, and the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth like the uh, waters of the sea. And he will also give us his new name. Jesus has a new name that we're going to find out when we get to heaven. And what that points to is that Jesus will reveal himself even more intimately to us than ever before. These are open-door rewards for you and for me as we, that we can look forward to receiving when we get to heaven. Aren't you glad you're a Christian? Aren't you glad you've trusted in Christ? Because life is a journey with doors that open and doors that close. And we are to walk through life by looking to Jesus, who opens and closes doors. We're to look at the open doors the Lord's giving us right now, and by his strength and grace, walk through those doors. And we're to trust that the Lord is going to deal with our enemies, and he's going to rapture us to be in heaven with him before the great tribulation. And that when we get to heaven, he's going to reward us wonderfully and generously. What a great Savior we have, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, he who has the Son has life. But he who does not have the Son does not have eternal life. So it's important for you to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me right now? If you haven't trusted in Christ, simply say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. I receive you right now as my Savior and as my Lord. Come into my life and make me the person you want me to be. Lead me through the open doors that you have for my life. Thank you for loving me. Let's all pray together. Father, we do praise you, especially this Sunday when we uh, will remember what you did for us on the cross in the Lord's Supper, we thank you, Jesus, for giving your life, your perfect sinless life for our sinful lives. Thank you for saving us. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
at this time, we're going to remember the Lord through the Lord's Supper, and the Bible tells us to examine ourselves, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Examine yourselves, number one, to know if you're in the faith. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? If you have, you're welcome to partake of the Lord's cup and bread. If you haven't, this is the best time to trust in the Lord. And we're to examine ourselves, are we in fellowship with the Lord? Are we tearing in sin that's displeasing to him? This is a time to turn from that. Is there a relationship that needs to be mended? We need to allow the Lord to help us to make things right. Thank you, Father, that you have said in your word that, you, that we can conf- if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for doing just that. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls through faith in Christ and the shed blood of Christ. Thank you that we could proclaim his death until he returns through the act of communion. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God for the new Jerusalem. Let us do this in remembrance of Jesus. Please take... Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you, we thank you, and we look forward to being in the new Jerusalem with you as our reigning king. We love you and proclaim your death until you return. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross, for giving your body and shedding your blood for our forgiveness, for our redemption, for our sanctification and glorification. We love you, Lord. Amen. Now we come to the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. Take, drink all of it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. Because your blood was shed, being a sinless, blemish-free sacrifice, perfect in every way, our sins are forgiven, our sins are washed away. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing us. And Lord, thank you for continually cleansing us. And thank you that you, who began a good work in us, are faithful to complete it. That one day you will present us into your presence with exceeding joy because you've kept us from stumbling and falling out of salvation. You are faithful, and we thank you for your love. We praise you, we bless you, We worship you, and we look forward to your return. We pray with all the churches around the world, Lord Jesus, come back quickly. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.